Hey, Cam. Yes, Alex. I, uh, I I don't really, I don't have a joke this week. How how do you want to cold open the show? Oh oh, that, that, that that's okay. I, I, how about this? I, I've got a I've got a bit of a bit of a riddle for you. You ready? Okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's see. Let's see. Uh, knock knock. Who's there? The Braves. The Braves who? The Braves are still your 2021 World Series champions. Let's go! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast with your hosts, Riley's Race and the Big Chop Man. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood world champion Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Alex, joined as always by Mr. Cam Matthews. How you doing today, Cam? What? Shaking, begging. Oh, not too much. Not too much. What? What are you drinking tonight, Cam? Uh, this evening. It doesn't matter what you're drinking tonight. Oh. You know why? Okay. We have a world champion on the show. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Woo! But pretty, before uh, we get pretty, into that, some housekeeping cool. real quick first. Chatting Average is brought to you by Sports Drink Media. Sports Drink Media is a conglomerate of all kinds of awesome sports podcasts. You can find our friends Doc and Dylan there from the Platinum Sombrero podcast, who you can also find on Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is a live audio-only sports talk platform that's basically like a live podcast. If you're listening to this and thinking, wow, I really wish I could jump in and and tell them what I think of what they just said, well, Spotify Greenroom is the place for you. That's the perfect place to do it. You can join into a podcast live and participate. You can download it for free on the iOS or Google Play Store. Check it out. It's really cool. And also, we have a new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 7,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Go to www.simbull.com to create a free account, and when you deposit, make sure to use the promo code SD, that's SD for sports drink, to make your deposit risk-free. Visit symbol.com and use the, the promo code SD and your deposit will be risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit. No questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. You know, before you interrupted me, I was going to say that I'm drinking a ice-cold glass of sweet tea in honor of our guest today, Mr. Sweet Tea himself, Tucker Davidson. <laughs> Yeah, you like that transition, didn't you? I I don't think either he or I knew that that was his nickname. It is now. Sweet tea. That's I like. Right. I actually kind of like it. But anyway, as Cam just alluded to, uh, we have world champion Atlanta Braves pitcher Tucker Davidson coming on the show. So let's not keep you guys in in suspense. We're just going to transition right into that. All right, guys, we have a very special guest on our show today, one who we had on about a year and a half ago as a minor league prospect. All he's done since then is make his big league debut, contribute some very meaningful regular season innings to the Braves, and uh, <clears throat> start a World Series game. He's become the star of Tuck Talk, and as of today, he can be found on Cameo. He went to Midland, but there ain't nothing mid about him. Ladies and gentlemen, the champ is here, Tucker Davidson. How you doing, buddy? Thank you so much for having me on. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. The last two weeks, I have 
little to no complaints besides the amount of sleep I've been getting. But we're getting <laughs> <laughs> we're getting back into the routine of kind of a baseball offseason, so it's been good. See, it was the reverse for us. We we didn't sleep for probably two solid months between uh, between clinching the division and and the end of the World Series. So I think the best part about winning the World Series was probably that I could I could sleep for like two days afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine so. I mean, I think the whole World Series, I didn't go to sleep till like 4 a.m. each night. It was just we got back at like 1 because we like to play 8 o'clock Eastern games and they get over at midnight. And by that time you get home, it's 2.30 in the morning. And by the time you settle down, it's 4 a.m. So it's been a long couple of weeks, but the body's starting to adjust being uh, – Going back to bed at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. Okay, so we're not the only ones complaining about World Series start time. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, I, I hated it. As a fan, watching the games <laughs> on TV and then like being at the games, because you look up at the clock and be like, it is 11.55 and we're in the eighth inning. All right, it's going to be a late one, you know? Like, it's no fun. But, and I get it. I get the West Coast. I get TV times. I get it all. But I, I just don't think the players like it very much. Yeah, I, I, that that's that's cool to hear. I'm glad it's not just us. Um, so let's jump right into it, Tucker. Uh, so look, every, every kid grows up playing in their backyard, dreaming of lifting that trophy, but but so few ever really get the opportunity. I, I think your face in those pictures really said it all. But but tell us, what was it like there in Texas? When you saw your old high school win the state title, you know, it wasn't as cool as winning it in Houston um, for the World Series, but it was really cool. Uh, <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> the trophy uh, that the weight of them were a little bit different. Uh, the one in the MLB is a little bit heavier than the one they give to you in high school, but it's still an awesome achievement. No, I'm very happy for my high school. They've. When I was there, we won three games in two years while I was quarterback. We were adjusting to a new offense in the triple option. And since I left, so I guess I was the bad luck that they have just constantly won. And this year, I think they've been ranked in the top 10 all year. They've just dominated everybody in our area. And it's just been – it's really cool to see your high school be successful. And a majority of the coaches I still had are still there. So just to see all the success that they're having has been something so special for me. And I well, saw you, they had uh, they had that mural painted on. Was that the dugout at the baseball field? Yeah. So that's like the outside chain link of the baseball field. So like right on the other side would be the third base dugout. That's so cool. I that's had no awesome. idea. My coach texted me and he was like, hey, you got to go by the school. And he just said like the breezeway. And I'm like, OK, yeah, like wherever the breezeway is. Scott for Scott's here. You ever want to grow new grass faster? Kind of like when you press the two times playback button on your podcast so you can speed through episodes. Except it's Scott's turf build a rapid grass. You're speeding your way from a thin and damaged lawn to a thicker, stronger one in just weeks. Bit too fast, maybe slow it down. Okay. Let's just go back to normal speed. Get a bag of Scott's Turf Builder Rapid Grass today. It grows grass two times faster than seed alone when applied at the new lawn rate, subject to proper care. Feed your lawn. Feed it. And they just put up like <laughs> giant, like. I call them prison gates, essentially kind of like blocking where like can't really drive through the school. Like you, it's just kind of securing it a little better. So I thought he was talking about that. Call my mom and I'm like, do you know what he's talking about? And she's like, yes, go to the baseball field. So I go to the baseball field, walk out there and I'm like, okay, this is cool. And they did it within like a week. So I was very impressed for, I mean, that was probably a 30 long, 30 yard uh, long banner that they did in about a week. So very impressed by them. Tucker, you got to give yourself a little more credit, though. You you set the foundation at your high school before you left. Let, let, let's just go ahead and get that get that clear. I tried up. to. I, I, and we always joke about that now because we ran the spread before I was on varsity. And I give my head coach, uh, Coach Plunk, uh, grief about him. Like, you have an MLB pitcher on your uh, team, and you let him throw three times a game. And he goes, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I joke about that a little bit to him. And, no, I think the building blocks are just – Doing it, playing the game the right way, playing hard every day, hustling, doing all the little things that matter, they add up at the end of the year, and that's what helps win championships for sure, in my opinion. Very cool, very cool. Well, Tucker, since since we talked last last season when you were still in the minor leagues, you 
you got to make your your big debut. You got your call up, and then you got a few starts this year. Uh, just taking a quick look back at, at your 2021 regular season stats: four games, a 3.6 ERA, 20 innings pitched, 18 strikeouts. Just really, really good stuff coming out of the gate and really getting your feet wet uh, this year. But take us back to the end of the 2020 season when you got your got your official call up. Can you walk us through what that moment was like for you getting that call? Yeah, so it was kind of a crazy week in general. So I think, so last year, 2020, we had a full week bubble going into the playoffs against uh, Cincinnati. So is that who we played? Yeah, that's who we played. Um, So that, I think it was a Sunday afternoon. I threw down at the alternate site and it was going to be my last outing. I punched out, I went seven innings, one hit, 13 strikeouts, no walks. Absolutely just obliterated everybody oh, wow. there. It was like one of those like comical games where it's like the hitters just had no chance and I was in complete tro- control. After the game, they broke the news that I was not going to ma- join the team for the bubble and that I was going to go home and start my offseason. Was I mad? Yes, I was furious. I had worked so hard. I was on the 40 man, but it is what it is. Two days later, they call me and they're like, hey, you're actually going to go to the bubble Hamels got hurt today. And I'm like, okay, like I can go in, fill in, go to the bubble. It'll be fine. Next day they called me. So this is Wednesday. Now I made my debut on a Saturday, Wednesday. Now they're like, Hey, you're actually going to start on Saturday. And I'm like, Oh, so <laughs> here I'm planning to go home, see my mom. And now I'm like, Hey mom, you don't get to come to my debut because we're in a bubble and you're not allowed because it's too late. So, and I'm just trying to like handle all the emotions. I lost like seven pounds that week, like just freaking out. Like you go from the alternate side to you're making your big league debut. Everything kind of happens very quickly. So I was just like, nah, just trying to eat as much as I could. Couldn't really eat living in the Omni. It was just like, head was just kind of spinning at that point, but made the debut. It went okay. Um, First inning was great. Second inning just kind of lost it a little bit. And I mean, when you throw fastballs right down the middle, they hit them out. So trying to avoid (laughs) to do that next year. No more of those next year in 2022. Don't yell at me if I do. But um, (laughs) no, 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 no. Don't get don't be scared of the strike zone. No, 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 no. No, What I try to think we our philosophy has really kind of changed in the the Braves and the minor leagues kind of the last two years since we got a newer pitching coordinator. And it's just attack the zone. And just the statistics between being 0-1 and 1-0 are just completely different. Just the batting averages that guys have. I mean, whenever Ronald gets up there and it's 1-0, I'm sure everybody feels a little better in the crowd sitting like, yeah, he's got to come to him now. And you get 2-0, the averages change even more. And it's completely different when you get to 0-1, of just how much guys get out and that type of thing. So that's kind of been a big philosophy change for us of, Hey, let's just attack. It doesn't matter what pitch it's with. Let's attack. Let's get ahead. And then let's try to bury people as fast as we can. I love it. Going, going back to that Saturday debut, was there a moment in, in that day where it kind of sank in for you and became really just real, so to speak, or did that whole experience just feel, you know, out of body and, and surreal? I think it was a little bit of out of body. Um, I was walking up the steps to the dugout after I like went down and kind of like sat by the fan or something kind of cooled off after I warmed up and Freddie was walking down the stairs and he slapped me in the chest and was like, Hey, you only get one debut. Enjoy it. And I didn't feel the slap. I, I mean, I looked up and I was probably <laughs> dazed and confused. I had no idea what was going on. And so I think at that moment it was like, okay, like, this is a cool experience. That was awesome. Like our team leader, Freddie and everything just came up to me and was like, Hey, this is, this is your debut. Enjoy it. So I, I definitely enjoyed the day. It was something that I looked forward to. I obviously wanted to dreamed about going like six innings, two hits with 10 punchies and just blow up the internet of like, who is this young guy and all that, but it didn't happen like that. And that put a little chip on my shoulder going into the off season of, all right, you weren't that guy this year, but you're going to be that guy next year. And you're going to take this, this team, this game, this league by storm next year. And that was really my full on attack going into the last off season. Love it. So um, for that, for that game at Fenway, first of all, gotta be really cool to make a debut at Fenway Um, of all, of all the parks I've been to. That one just has that kind of special old feeling. Um, But at the same time, it was a park that didn't have any fans in it. And 
you made your debut with nobody there in person other than teams and team personnel to see it. So so talk to us for a second about what it was like to to do it in front of an empty stadium and and kind of your preference between that and what you got to experience finally this year. Give me fans every day of the week. Inject everything that the fans bring to the stadium into my veins. They bring the energy. They bring the adrenaline. I mean, you have adrenaline, obviously. You're pitching in the big leagues in front of nobody, but you have to bring it. There, I mean, you're having to drink coffee, pre-workout, whatever the case may be. And I think just whenever there's fans, you can kind of slow the game down. You can kind of – or you can speed it up. One of those – it's kind of which way is it going you're that – you're – which way is it going that way for you? So I think with no fans, if you're not having it that day, you, you don't have it at all. You don't have anything to feed off of. It's you got to have to do it yourself versus if you don't have it that day and the fans are there, you can kind of feed off of them of, okay, the fans are still in it. I'm still in it. We're not out of this game yet. And you can kind of feed off of their energy and kind of get back into the groove. So that was really the biggest difference between the two, which is kind of the adrenaline kind of feeding off the fans and we're all performers in a way. We This is our job. This is something we all enjoy. And we love to give the fans a show. I mean, everybody likes to hit 450-foot home runs, and everybody loves to strike people out. That's just the way the game has gone, and that's the, game, the way the game's going to continue to be. And I think whenever you get fans in there, when there's 40,000 people there at Truce uh, Field, I mean, it's just – it's just something you can't beat and that just I get chills going down my spine whenever I think about like getting it out in the World Series game. And it was just erupting and the chops going. You've got the organist playing whatever they're playing at the time. And it's just it's an unreal experience. And I never want to pitch again in front of nobody. So keep coming to the games. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you made you made me curious when you mentioned it. Uh, what is your 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 pregame routine like are you are you a coffee guy are you pounding red bulls before the game is it all pre-workout what uh what what's what's your go-to there so i've kind of experimented like throughout the minor leagues of like all right what is my routine i love coffee like i i drink probably like three to five cups a day during season kind of depending like what time i wake up because if i wake up at nine i'm gonna have two cups as soon as i wake up have a cup when i get to the field and then whenever you get to the game you just want some type of caffeine to like keep you kind of going, especially if you're not playing that night. So just as long as it's not pumpkin spice, right? Yeah. No pumpkin spice. Sorry if anybody loves pumpkin spice. It's terrible. There's a reason you only do it for two months. A year. We'll put it that way. Man, Tucker went for the throat on that one. <laughs> I, I did go for the throat there. Now peppermint, I can get behind a little bit. It's not my go-to, but I can get behind it. Um, I, I just think, I mean, where were we? Now I'm thinking about pumpkin spice lattes now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I have a tendency to do that. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the ramen comment you had on Twitter today. Oh no! <laughs> it's it's a, I, ha, have you have you had the real stuff? Yes, I have. I have, and it is good. But I mean, the college stuff is the goat. Like. You know you had it at 3 a.m. in the morning. Oh, yeah, morning. don't You're get me wrong. I'll from smash the bar four packets of, of Marichen ramen at 3 in the morning. I'm not beyond that. <laughs> it's great. And where else can you it. get three days' worth of sodium in one meal? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so uh, back in September, and if you don't want me to read this, I'll clip it out. You sent me a DM, and it said, and I quote, after we win the World Series, Let's get back together on the podcast, and I'll take you through this year and the recovery process. I know there haven't been m many updates, but we're doing well, and looking forward to sharing my story with the Braves fans. Um, so, first of all, brilliant how you opened that up. Um, you you are clearly a soothsayer of some sort. Um, secondly, uh, we we all know you were you were starting to light the world on fire this season, and then all of a sudden in Boston where your big league career first began, uh, we noticed the velo was dropping in the early innings. And then all of a sudden, here comes the trainer to pull you out of the game. And all we hear are the words forearm tightness. And then because Alex Anthopoulos runs the office that he does, we didn't hear a thing for like two or three more months after that. So, so walk us through 
What happened in between that start in Gwinnett, or is that sorry, that start in Boston, and and then when you made that rehab start in Gwinnett in October, which was the next time we heard from you? Basically, it was I was shut down for six weeks of no throw. It, it was originally started at ten days, and then we went and had a second opinion. I was like, hey, there's a lot of inflammation around the flexor muscle, and I had a boat. I had a I'm gonna try to pronounce the correct a stress reaction to the olecranon, which is essentially a bone bruise to the elbow. So essentially I threw a curveball and my arm locked out like it typically does. And that's normal as every throwing motion does. The arm's going to lock out at some point and there's cartilage in between your bones. Well, that cartilage in the bones did not agree. And, and basically they banged together. And whenever that happened, my flexor muscle, which is the, the, big meat muscle of your forearm pulled and said, no, 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 we're not going to hyperextend and break in half. We're, I'm going to protect you. So it was really, it took about four months for me to get the range of motion back, get the strength back and get to be completely pain-free of just getting through this injury, just because I, I pulled a major muscle trying to protect something that typically happens but it was just a little irritated or whatever the case would be i still don't know how essentially it happened because that day i felt great i felt good in philly my start before then and it was just i think it was one of those weird things happened and there's nothing we can do so six weeks into no throwing finally had another mri we deemed i was cleared enough to throw and essentially it was reteaching my arm how to throw again i had to Reteach it how to grip the ball. Um, just those big league balls are very chalky and have no no grip on them at all. And you have to relearn your muscle, the little muscles in your forearm and hand have to relearn those little pressure points of, okay, when I put a little bit of pressure on my middle finger, the ball is going to do this. And then your body reacts a certain way. You got to put your body back into the right positions to get that elbow up so it's not leaking and just putting a ton of stress on it. So it took a, another course of a month before I could even throw maybe 80 miles an hour just playing catch of just, hey, I got to relearn how to do all of this. Wow. And then about a month into that, I head down to Florida and it was just, hey, we're going to see what happens of let's get you back on the mound. Let's start you long tossing again. Let's see where the arm's going to be at and just how like how quickly is this going to happen? Because it was completely on my arm and my body of just saying, yeah, I'm ready and prepared to handle this stress because, I mean, throwing 90 miles an hour is not a normal thing. And I think people kind of overlook that as like, oh, you're just playing catch. And it's like, no, throwing 90 miles an hour is not something an ordinary person can do just rolling out of bed. And for somebody that's been throwing their whole life, whenever you take time off, it, you have to re kind of, it's like relearning how to ride a bike. You can, you know how to do it, but it's kind of just okay, I got to put my right foot forward. I got to put my left foot forward. Okay, now I'm pedaling and those types of things. So it's kind of just learning how to do all that. And then it came, okay, now we got to test and throw a curveball. Can you throw a curveball without any pain? Yes. All right, we can check that off. Uh, can you throw your slider? Yes, check that off. Um, okay, now can we do a full bullpen of throwing everything? Great, check that off. All right, now you got to face live hitters. And now we're looking, and it's like two weeks before the end of this minor league season. And it's like, all right, well, should we throw to throw against hitters or should we just shut it down for the year? And I was like, no, I want to throw and be able to look into, into the mirror and be like, you're healthy going into the off season. So that's when the whole thing changed to, okay, we're going to go make one rehab start in Gwinnett. And then the original plan was going to be send me home for the off season. Just, Hey, you got back healthy or that's what we wanted. Let's, let's bring you back next spring. Be ready to just, uh, compete for a rotation spot and I was like great that sounds perfect like it's been a long year for all of us and then I throw my rehab outing in Gwinnett and I hit 96 in the first inning and was like stuff was really good everything felt really good and they're like hey we want to keep you around throwing through through the playoffs just get you worked up to a starter just so you say you can shut down for the off season and you're good to go for next year. And I, said, and I said, perfect. That sounds great. Like, I feel good. I'd like to continue to keep throwing. Well, didn't make the, uh, I guess it would have been the DS didn't make the DS roster. Um, cause we didn't need a four starting pitcher. Didn't make the CS roster. I think we just, it was like, we went with an extra bat. I think Camargo went, 
I can't remember. We had the solar issue, I think, starting with that. Maybe that was during that uh, thing. Uh, anyway, didn't make the CS roster. I was, was I mad a little bit? Yes, but I also understood where I was coming from of, hey, you haven't pitched in the big league since June 15th. Why would, do they have any reason right now to call you up? I mean, it's not like I was throwing 100. I mean, I was my normal velocity. I was feeling good. And it was, hey, let's just continue to build up this workload and let the arm handle the stress. Just kind of see how the body's going to react to getting back on throwing on a five-day rotation. So body responded very well. I was very pleased with how it kind of ended. I mean, I got to pitch in the World Series. My velo went back. I feel good about it. Arm feels good. So I think it was a long summer for sure. This is my first injury. And I think it was a learning experience that I get to take into this off season of, hey, I know how my body's going to be starting from ground zero. I can't throw. Here's here's a throwing program that I know that this is going to work for me. Or oh, it's only going to take me this amount of time. Or I only need this many bullpens before spring training. Or whatever the case may be, I think I've learned a lot just being injured. I mean, obviously it's not what I wanted, but it was God's plan of yeah, you're going to be injured this year and you're going to learn a lot about yourself of how to be patient, how to be a TikTok person. I definitely got into that more <laughs> as I was just sitting there. And I mean, it sucked. I hated sitting there on my iPad watching because I'm blacked out of every game in Atlanta, having to watch a VPN to be able to just watch us play the Mets, you know, and I was living with Kyle Muller and it was awesome just getting to watch him pitch every fifth day for a while. And I was just thinking the entire time, like, man, we both should be out there just having the most fun time of our lives, just dominating people. And it was just not my, it was, wasn't in the cards at that time. And that was something I had to swallow and just say, Hey, each day I go into to rehab, you got to get better and you got to continue to do this each day because there's a bigger goal of trying to get back at the end of the season. Or if it, it is next year, there's a bigger goal to this. So I think it was just a big, big time period where I had to really sit back and just, be patient and learn. And I'm so grateful for it because I think I've learned a lot and just being able to have how to handle that is going to help me throughout my career tremendously. Um, leads me to a follow-up. Uh, so we, we talked about briefly how, how well the Braves keep all of their stories in house and how little leaks out into the news. Um, how much of that is communicated from the team to you in a time like this are are they trying to keep this kind of kind of uh this story subdued so so nobody knows you know when you're coming back i think it i think it was nobody wanted to put a timetable on it because gotcha. i didn't throw for six weeks and we don't know what's going to happen after six weeks of not throwing i mean you go to the gym after not lifting for six weeks and you're going to be sore and it's like, well, we got to see how he feels. And then it's like, okay, he can throw to 90 feet. Well, we got to see how he feels to 120 feet. And it was like, why well, put a timetable and then say, oh, he'll be back by September 31st. And then come September 31st. And it's like, well, where's Tucker? He was supposed to be, he should have done a rehab start two weeks ago and started that and all that. And then they have to backtrace and talk about this, like, oh, well, did something happen? And I think that was just more of, hey, we're not going to put a timetable on you. We want you to come back healthy. You're a rookie pitcher. You're 25 years old. You're young. We want you to come back healthy, strong, and feel confident that you're able to compete at a high level again. So that's really all I think it was. Did it suck for me? Yeah. Did it suck for everybody in Braves country? Yes, it did. But I think it wasn't to avoid anything. It was just more of, hey, we don't want to put a timetable and rush this. Tucker, you mentioned, you know, while while you were out watching Braves games from home and and that sort of thing but we understand that once the Braves made it to the World Series that you got to experience game one from kind of an interesting location could you could you kind of walk us through what you were up to and you know what how that experience was for you watching your team make it and play in the World Series for game one it was an awesome experience I uh, Kyle Wright just went up and we were all pumped like he deserved it so much this year. He pitched phenomenal in AAA, and I'm glad, like, everybody kind of got to see in game four of just, like, what Kyle Wright had done all year. Because the last three months, Kyle Moore had been telling me, he's like, Kyle Wright right now is unbelievable. He's like, you're going to get here, and he's disgusting. He's 94-98, punching the world, getting ground balls, completely different guy than whenever he left. So I'm like, I'm already excited enough. Saw it in his last AAA start of the year, and then I continued to see it throughout the alt side. So getting to see him. 
pitch in the World Series and do his thing was awesome. So it was extremely happy for him. So we were already excited. I was at the courtyard by Marriott and down the street from Gwinnett Stadium. And I just like door dashed uh, Uber Eat or uh, Cheesecake Factory. I had a glass of wine from the downstairs little bar area at the hotel. And we were just watching the game. And Charlie gets hit and we're like, oh, that hurts. Like we have all gotten hit in the calf or the leg and it leaves a big bruise and you're a little worried and you, you limp for the next day. And then 13 pitches later, he falls on the ground and we go, what just happened? End up fracturing it. So I'm sitting in there in the hotel and I'm sitting with our pitching coordinator and our strength and conditioning coach. And we're just kind of talking. I'm like, I'm the only starter left. Kyle already went up. So I was like, if they went with a starter route, it's probably going to be me. So I make it to about the sixth inning. And at this point, I'm like sick to my stomach because I'm like, I know it's me. I need to go lay down and wrap my head around this because I'm probably not sleeping tonight because I'm going to have to fly to Houston tomorrow morning. And so sure enough, game ends about 12, 15, 10 minutes later, my phone rings from Ben, our assistant GM. And he's like, do you have plans tomorrow? And I said, I think I do now. And he goes, yeah, you need to get to Houston tomorrow morning. I said, okay. He goes, Lovey, our travel secretary will send everything over to you and get it set up. So I think I drove, as soon as I got the phone call, I called the clubhouse manager in AAA and I'm like, I need my stuff. He goes, I'm already here. So I drove <laughs> five minutes down the street because they told him, they told him, they were like, hey, it's right. probably going to be, it's probably going to be Tucker or whoever else they named. Uh, <laughs> Beating the door down. <laughs> like, yeah, like, hey, will you go up there so you can get his stuff? And I didn't want to do it like at 5 a.m. in the morning. I was like, so let's just do it that night. So go and do it pick up my stuff, come back to the hotel and my entire life's in that hotel because I had to move out of my apartment. So I just say, screw it, pick up my bag, dump everything out, grab whatever I need for one day in Houston and pack up my bag. And I just try to go to sleep. Didn't go to bed till like four, had to wake up at like six o'clock to get to the airport. And it was a 45 minute Uber or I had to drive to Truist, drop my car off at Truist and then Uber from Truist to the airport. So Made it to Houston that next day for game two. And I think at BP, I was just like nonstop smiles. And it was just like, this is one of the coolest experiences of my life. So it was definitely so fun. So like you mentioned, Charlie goes down in in game one. Uh, Real quick, just kind of a side note. How much time did you get to spend around Charlie this season when, when you were up with the club? Pretty much every game. So I was up, I think three starts so really only like three weeks you could call it that I was really like up around the club before I got hurt and we were we would talk in the dugouts and he likes country music we we're talking about that and just different philosophies what did you learn in Houston what did you learn in Tampa just kind of picking his brain of just different things of how how did you start throwing harder when you got older and he, and he literally tells you I just decided to throw harder and you're like okay, that, <laughs> that, that helps me none at all but okay thank you. thanks Charlie <laughs> yeah and then we talked about, okay, why do you use a two-seam to this guy? Why do you use a four-seam? You just kind of get to pick the brain. You kind of become friends. And I'm watching Ian and Drew Smiley pitch at this time, and it, you're just kind of feeding off of that. I mean, I'm working with Smiley on his, on his cutter, and we're trying to get a little more depth on it. Ian's working on backspin and his fastball a little bit better. And we're just always kind of constantly like, hey, what did you do this start that was a little bit different? Or how did you pitch so-and-so? Or we're just kind of – always kind of in the game and then we always go off topic and we're talking about who knows what cryptocurrencies to (laughs) shoes to who knows like what we're doing after this where we're going to eat in philly this weekend all these different types of things so i think just learning from all those guys has been such a huge thing and that's probably one of the bigger things i think people don't realize that getting to the big leagues is just learning the environment being up there and not being on the shuttle up and down because when you're up there you got to learn the lifestyle of, Hey, this is the way the things are done in the big leagues. There's media always around. There's high expectations. There's no, we'll go figure it out in triple It's you got to perform or you're going down. It's one of those. Uh, so you, you mentioned talking about shoes. Who's got the best shoe game on the roster? Jock, Jock 100. Oh, Freddie, Freddie has very nice. Like Jock's more of the sneaker head. Yeah. He has yeah. very nice, like dress shoes and like, kind of like the higher fashion for like, I guess, I don't really know, like trendy stuff kind of in today's. Jesse Chavez has the coolest cleats in my opinion. He has like all different types of Jordan 11s cleated. He got some new Nikes cleat. Like 
just normal tennis shoes that he just gets cleated in. I'm like, okay, those are sick. Jesse's also that. got the hat game to go with it too. Oh gosh. Oh, and the glasses too. I mean, he's just got swag. I'm just, <laughs> I owe that guy so much. What he did to me, like what he did to help me in AAA before I got like really rolling was just awesome. Just like a different aspect of what, how it's going to be up in the big leagues and just like how he did it for so long and how he's going to continue to keep doing it was just something I really tried to just pick his brain about. Um, you, you mentioned Jock. So, so of course he's, he's been kind of the face of the Braves for the last month and a half, just with, with between the pearls and that, that amazing players tribune article he wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, how was the clubhouse different between when you were there in June and when you got back in October? It was definitely just a, it was like a better, I don't know how to describe in, July, in June, we were going through a lot. We had a lot of injuries. We had guys banged up. We had everything that happened over the course of that, like six weeks. It was just like, we can't catch a break. We were all kind of down on ourselves. We're like, it's a long season. This is going to turn around eventually. When is it going to be? And I, I think Freddie wasn't really hitting at that time. That's when he was lining out 108 to the first baseman every at AB. And he's like, I can't, I can't sniff a hit right now. And I think like the rotation was kind of struggling. Bullpen was kind of scuffling a little bit. And I think it just wasn't a, like, we weren't really enjoying baseball as much as like we could have been like we were at the end of the year. And then I came back in October and it was like high energy, good vibes of cockiness, swagger of like, we're going to beat you. Like we are a better team than you. And it doesn't matter who you're throwing. It can be, it could be Charlie Morton or, Tucker Davidson or whoever, like we have full confidence in whoever it is. And we're going to go out there and we're going to play our game and we're going to ball out. So swinging back now to the world series, Tucker, Charlie goes down in game one. Obviously you get the call to, to come join the team in Houston. You know that the game five slot is then open for, for Halloween night. How and when do you get the official word that you are the starter for game five? So I had an idea on game four after game four, when Kyle pitched four or five innings, we were, we both knew our rules. We were emergency starters, long guys out of the pen. We were there to eat innings. We were there to be the bridge guys to get it to the night shift. We were, we were those types of guys. We knew our roles. They were very honest of, Hey, I don't know when I'm going to use you, but I'm going to need you eventually. So Kyle throws in game four and I'm sitting there in the, in the bullpen kind of like, I'm either starting tomorrow or Jesse Chavez is, and then I'm coming in afterwards. So I was like, maybe I could see them wanting to put the lineup as, as a righty starter or whatever the case, you know how matchups go. So I kind of had an idea the night before, but didn't hear anything. The, so it was Sunday that it was Halloween and it was probably noon. I probably woke up at 1130 and then uh, Snick called was like, hey, you're going to start today. And I was pumped. I was like, let's do it. Like, let's go. Let's do this. Like, let's finish it off tonight. Let's go home. Let's do it in front of Atlanta. Let's have a blast. Let's let's do this now. Um. So and I think the tweet broke like 10 minutes later. I barely had time to get off the phone with my mom before my phone just absolutely started to break and explode. So that was that was an interesting afternoon of just trying to get like tickets and thing, different things. I think my high school coach was there. So I was trying to make sure he got in the door and all these different things. Well, my phone's blowing up for everybody. Wish me good luck and everything. So it was, it was a whirlwind of emotions for that next like four hours, just trying to kind of slow everything down, get ready for game time. And, and then moving on from there, like, okay. So you're still a young guy. Yeah. You've got some major league experience, but uh, presumably, uh, it's a whole different monster. So you take the field in the first inning of game five of the world series. What is going through your head as you step on that mound? Slow the game down, breathe and have fun. That was all I was preaching to myself that entire day. Slow the game down, take a deep breath and have fun. This is a, maybe a once in a lifetime opportunity for me. And it it was not supposed to happen, but it happened. You know, I wasn't on the roster originally, but it happened. And I was there for a reason. 
and it was give get as many outs as you can as quick as you can and they was just trying to attack 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 and it was loud and the game was fast and whatever other words you want to use to call that game it was insane because when you're you, all you hear is cheater yelling at a Altuve with forty thousand in the fans, <laughs> and you get him out, and then the thing place just erupts, and then you you think about it for a second, and I mean, I I get chills down my back just thinking about like how loud it was and just like how much energy was in there, and I think we got the double play to end that inning, and like emotion just came out of me. I'm screaming and hyped up, and it's I just I think it was a big moment for me, not just because it was the World Series. It was also my first game back in the big leagues and it's not easy to pitch in the big leagues. So when you get a big out like that, it's hard to contain those emotions of just you're there, you're involved in all of this, you're caught up in the moment and you just got to enjoy the moment at times. So the series goes back to Houston for, for game six. Where, where are you at during, during game six? I was in the bullpen and Max got stepped on, I think it was the first or second inning, and Kyle Wright and I both looked at each other, just kind of like, all right, here's our time. So we both <laughs> sprint into from the bench, and we start throwing weighted balls, doing bands. Like, it, I mean, if Max goes down, it's one of us because we're the only really starters, and they're not going to throw Matzik out there in the second inning. We're going to need him in the seventh or eighth inning. So we both kind of knew it was it was us, maybe Jesse Chavez, maybe Smiley. I mean, we there was a couple of us that – we knew our roles. And so I was in there and it, I'm going to say this, that is the worst spot in baseball to watch a game is from that left field bullpen in Houston. Cause you can't see anything. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it definitely seems like it's not a, not a great vantage point in that ballpark. No. Cause you're like tucked back in that little corner where that wall goes straight back. You can barely see the other team's bullpen and you can only see really the outfield because you've got so many poles and stuff in your way trying to watch. And I, you can't see the pitcher and the catcher from like one solid view. You have to kind of like look around a pole or looking in between the fence. It's just not the greatest place to watch it from. The whole ballpark. Well, it, it's just weird. It is weird. It is a weird ballpark. I didn't know it was as old as it is. I, I thought it was like mid nineties. It was built. I guess it was, it's like the third or fourth oldest stadium still, still existing. That's insane. What? So I had no idea. <laughs> I, I found out in Houston. I was like, no chance. <laughs> so so Max gets gets stepped on, and from our vantage point, from watching at home, it definitely seemed like that flipped a switch for him in, in that first inning. And you know, oh, obviously he, he made him mad. He he, he goes on a mad. tear, and and you could see that in his face. Have you had a chance to talk to him about that since since it happened? No, I haven't. I mean, I asked him after the game. I was like, "Is your ankle good?" Like, I thought, like we watched it on the iPad. And I was like, "How? How is your leg not broke?" Like, looking at Charlie's injury and looking at Max's, and like you would think Max is the one that had the broken leg, and Charlie was the one that just had like the bruised leg. You know, just kind of like looking at him too. Like, and I didn't really get to talk to him, but I just literally like he was still like going through. Like he was still so like. I guess like intense and mad, just like even after the game of just like, I was, he was so locked into that moment. I think it really didn't like hit him. And I gave him a hug and I was like, congratulations. Like you put the team on your back today and we really needed that. So I think that kind of warmed him up a little bit, put a smile on his face and he kind of got to realize, wow, this was awesome. Very cool. Uh, To divert just, just a little bit more on, on Max, you know, obviously Max still very, very much a young guy, but, you know, essentially the the leader of of this young Braves rotation at this point. What what is he like behind the scenes? You know, as still a very young pitcher, but a guy who's really carving his name in, into the you know top list of pitchers across the league. He's he's very business. Um, when he's at the field, he's there he's there to do his job. And even if he's not pitching that day, he's locked in on if it's his day to do his scouting reports or if it's his lift day. He's one hundred and ten percent locked into whatever he's doing and I mean he has fun don't get me wrong but whenever he's got his work and it's I got a lift today for two hours or however long he's in there for it is all business no play and then as soon as that's done he can have fun and enjoy his time and I think that's what a lot of guys are whenever as soon as they step in that building and I've got this is what I have to do today we're going to crush it for however long that is and then we're going to move on and enjoy the enjoy the rest of our day but on game days he's 
he doesn't talk a whole bunch. He's so locked in. He puts his headphones in. And I, the day I got back from Florida, he was starting that day and he was like kind of warming up on the bike. And I kind of just like went and pat him on the back and was like, Hey Max, good to see you do your thing tonight. And I think he, he shoved that night and I was kind of like, man, I should start doing that a little more often. And then I think like his next <laughs> after that was whatever he did, like the nine inning complete, uh, complete game in Baltimore. So I was oh, like, the Maddox. Yeah. I, yeah. The Maddox. I was like, maybe I had something to do with that. I'm just kidding. Oh, no, <laughs> I have to do that every time. I'll, I'll claim it to fame, you know? Yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, since since you since you brought him up and you might give me the exact same answer you just did for Max, um, so we've all heard uh, the the story about his his kind of journey. Um, but from your experience with him, who is Tyler Matzik? <sighs> Tyler Matzik. I mean, nutsack's a great way to describe him because he just <laughs> he puts it on the table and he's all all in. <laughs> He is doing the job for whatever reason he can. I mean, he's an incredible human. He's he's kind of like the, a big brother to the young guys of, hey, I've been there. Uh, I mean, he really only has maybe a year and a half more show time than a lot of our young guys because he just missed so much time being an independent ball. But he is, I think he's almost 30 or if not 30. So I think he's kind of that bridge in between of I'm, I'm still young and a baseball way but I'm not in a way so I think he's just he's a great person I mean anything he came from came back from the y word I have a lot of people don't like saying it I don't really care but when you come back from not being able to throw a baseball and literally wanting to quit and hang him up and now you're a world series champion speaks for itself I mean you watched what he did he didn't care who was at the plate he was going to put it all all out there for the team and that was just incredible and I'm a little story about him he showed up in AAA, like we're on a playoff run and we're like, oh, okay, cool. Like first rounder, we kind of heard about his story and first pitch, whack, 97. We're like, who is this guy that we just signed? And <laughs> the next spring training, he wasn't in uh, a big league invite, but he was there for like mini camp just kind of to back up. And they kept calling him over every day and he would throw and he would throw. And I was like, he might make the team. He's throwing so well. I mean, he was 95, 97 and just striking out the world during spring training. And I was like, this guy's legit. This guy is legit. And he's proved it the last two years. That's, I mean, from, from a fan's perspective, and I see a lot of people still talking about this, the, one of, if not the biggest moment of, of the postseason was when he came in in game six in the NLCS and made Mookie Betts of all people look like a fool at the plate. It, it was just the loudest sound I've ever heard was Truist Park at that moment. Um, but speaking of, of great moments from this postseason, talk to me about the mood in the bullpen as, as you guys got to watch Jorge Soler hit a ball to Amarillo over y'all's heads. Well, like I said earlier, we didn't have the best view, but we had a good view. Um, so we had no idea where it landed. We just knew it was a bomb, and we knew he hit it. He got all of it because all we saw was he hit it, and then all you kind of do is watch for the umpires and or watch and just kind of see how everybody else kind of reacts. And I'm seeing Heredia run out with his swords onto the field, and I'm like, oh, he got it. And he's <laughs> tapping his chest and doing all these things, and I'm like, oh, he's – He's hype about this. Like we, we, like we were up four runs at that point, four or five. I don't even remember what the score was. And like it was like, oh, we we got him, we got him right here. And then we get the iPad. So after each inning or half inning, we get that inning that just happened uh, on the iPad, so we can go back and watch. And I remember I pulled out the iPad, and it's got like the exit velocity, and I think he hit it like one thirteen, like. It said like 457. No way. That thing went like 585. <laughs> yeah, he he's stat cast on that one. <laughs> yeah, there is no stat cast. Yeah, no. That ball went way further. And I just remember like we were just passing it around. Everybody was just like, oh, my. That went out of the stadium. We're like, yeah, that was a nuke. So it was just, I mean, we were jumping up and down. We were hype. And then like it got real quiet again of like, all right. Now it's our turn. We do. We got to do our job to finish this out. So obviously that that bomb puts you guys up three to nothing at that point. 
and you talk about, you know, the bullpen and, and the pitching staff knowing from that point it's time to to carry the game the rest of the way. But being up three to nothing obviously isn't an insurmountable league in, in today's game of baseball. At any point, was there the thought of, you know, there's still plenty of effort to be put into this game? You know, we've seen the Astros come back before or judging by the atmosphere inside Minute Maid Park. Was that shot, in your opinion, the the death blow for for Houston? 100%. 100%. And then I think when Matzik walked out of the bullpen, I think that was just a shot to the face. I mean, they had no chance. They they knew it, and they were like, we haven't been able to figure this guy out all, se- all series, and he's throwing almost every game. How are we going to figure him out right now? And he was 98-99, and he had his good curveball that day. And against him, sometimes you just got to tip your cap and say – Thanks. <laughs> Love it. So um, moving on to to after the World Series. So we found out well after the conclusion of the NLCS that that Dansby was was going so crazy after the game that uh, uh, he got hurt and ended up getting stitches over his eye. So after the uh, after the World Series. Uh, what was the wildest thing you saw in the clubhouse that you're allowed to tell us? Um, honestly, nothing like too crazy in the clubhouse happened because there's not much you can do in there. So the Dansby story is Contreras, like, I think we won the CS and either threw up his helmet or spiked it and it just bounced up and hit Dansby in the eyebrow. So oh. that's really how that happened. So it wasn't Oh, like friendly fire. Much. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, completely friendly fire. It wasn't like anything like <laughs> super crazy. And I had, honestly, I didn't know about it until about game three of the World Series. Whenever I asked Dansby, I was like, what happened to your eye? So... <laughs> Once again, the Braves kept that on wrap very well. Um, they did. But I think, really, I think everybody was just enjoying the moment, spraying it. I mean, I was down in beers. Everybody was down in beers, smoking cigars. And it was just, everybody was just soaking in. And I think we went back out onto the field after we would pop champagne. And everybody was taking photos with their families. Media still out there. And that was just a cool experience to just kind of get to sit back on the field and just look around. It says World Series champions, Atlanta Braves. I mean, that's it was cool to take pictures in front of and have that memory forever. So then you guys bring the celebration back to Atlanta uh, last Friday. And of course, you know, all of Braves country, whether they were in attendance or you know, watching from home, got to see just the ultimate celebration between the parade and, and the, the festivities at the stadium. But what happens after the cameras turn off and after the parade and stadium celebration ends? What What's the celebration for you guys like after that? Because we heard rumor about A.J. Minter having quite the time in the battery uh, after games and after the parade. But what does everything look like? Oh, no. (laughs) After every clincher, you could count on AJ over at PBR. He was a fixture there. (laughs) Well, I was there, too, as well. So (laughs) (laughs) there he is. So after the parade, I was. I felt good after the parade because everybody's just we throwing tears and they're just, yeah, <laughs> easy, easy. <laughs> That's what my mom told me. Um, no, but I think just like we went up to PBR and I think we had like our own little section. They, we got a bottle of champagne. We got to spray on everybody. Like it was just a fun experience for like everybody kind of at PBR just kind of get to experience of like, oh, like this is happening right here. Like, I mean, I think it was like eight o'clock and Tuki, Mint, and I are leaving, and we're going back to the Omni, and I'm like, dude, it's 11.30 at night. Like, I'm done. Like, I'm going to bed. And they're like, dude, it's 8 o'clock. And I'm like, no chance. Like, I did not – like, it's dark outside. I fully did not believe them that it was only 8 o'clock. And they're like, yeah, go get cleaned up, and we're going to go out and have dinner and then go out and bucket. And I'm like, no. Like, I I can't. I can't make it. So (laughs) – I go back to the uh, hotel, shower up, and I'm literally laying in bed. I'm just sitting there, and Tuki calls me and goes, come on, bro. And I'm like, I'm not going. And 30 seconds later, he's banging on my door, and he's like, get up. 
So I have to re-get dressed and we go out and have dinner and then we go out. I don't even know where we went. I think we went to like six or seven different places. We were just kind of bar hopping, having a good time. And it was just a, it was a long three days, but three of the best days of my life. I'll put it that way. Took me, it took me about a week to recover from them. (laughs) That's awesome. So So is, is there anybody on the team who is like a sneaky party guy that we wouldn't expect yeah the whole team <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody's kind of low-key a little sneaky in it um no i don't think so i mean i have a hard time seeing freddie going too hard <laughs> i mean he's I like not it. like i like he's it not like he enjoys his wine i'll put it that way he, he enjoys a nice drink well, well we heard we heard like, about a freaking like, wine club y'all have in the clubhouse the there Burgundy now. The Burgundy Boys, yeah, I missed that invite. <laughs> are, are you? But I are guess you it was it was very exclusive. Are you a wine guy? I am. So the night I actually got called to go to Houston, I was like three glasses of wine deep because I was like stressing out about this own game, and then they call or then Charlie got hurt and I was like, I better stop. So that that quit real quick. But yes, I do. I do love a nice. Uh, a nice cab. Love it. My man. Like it. All right. So, okay. Get in your time machine real quick. Fast forward to the end of the 2022 regular season. What does Tucker Davidson's stat line look like? Okay. So you told me not to be humble and to be cocky because it's... Yeah. <laughs> no, Guillermo told you that, damn it. Yeah, yeah. That... <laughs> Okay, damn it, Guillermo told me that. So I'm going to be a little cocky. <laughs> My goal is essentially win Rookie of the Year and have a vote in the Cy Young is essentially my my goal of win Rookie of the Year and then have a vote in the Cy Young. And I think if I could log at least 150 innings, um, have a 9K per nine and less than a three uh, walk per nine, that would be probably ideal. In my opinion, I think that'd be a good, solid, successful year. But I think for me, the most part is just going to be able to log innings and just get back to doing what I did in the minors of being able to go out there consistently every fifth day and give it, give the team a chance to compete every fifth day. God, absolutely love it, man. Well, you know, obviously, since you came on this show uh, when we were we were just a couple of puppies in the podcasting world, um, you've. You've had a couple of cheerleaders in us online, uh, and that ain't stopping anytime soon. Um, cannot possibly thank you enough for for coming on the show. Uh, this has been really cool, and uh, congratulations, man. You're a World Series champ. Well, thank you so much. Congratulations to y'all. Buy all of the merch because we don't know when this will happen again. Hopefully next year. Well, uh, well, after you win the World Series next year, we'll we'll have to do this again. Well, then if that happens, then we have to do it every year because then we can continue to win World Series after World exactly. Series. Exactly. There it is. But I think we got a good. Uh, I think we're about to have a really good. Uh, the dynasty, of the, I guess you could call it the 20s instead of the 90s. So I think we're we got a really good group here, and I think we'll resign Freddie. We'll get some some more pitching, and I think we're going to be deadly. And then. Teams are going to be really afraid to come to Atlanta and try to play us. Tucker, are are, are you breaking Freddie Freeman news on our show? <laughs> I wish. I wish. I, I want him to sign back just as much as everybody else. <laughs> Love it, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. So once again, thank you to Tucker Davidson for coming on the show. Man, what a what a just what a great kid he is. Just just a super. Down to earth, really. Just this whole episode was just guys being dudes. Oh yeah, yeah, it, it, it was fun. We had quite a fun conversation off air too. That you know probably is not great for podcasting, but still had a great time. Tucker, good kid, good kid. Thanks for coming on again. But hey, Alex. Yes. It would be safe to say that Tucker Davidson's stock is clearly rising. Would you Absolutely. agree? Absolutely. Well, you could also see some stock r- stocks rise when you join Symbol. Symbol, that's S-I-M-B-U-L-L, 
is the sports stock market that allows you to profit off of your sports knowledge. There are two ways to make money on Symbol. First, every, te- every time a team you own wins, you earn a cash win payout. Money, money, yeah, yeah. Second, just like the stock market, if you think a team is going to increase in value, you can buy low, sell high for a profit. Use promo code SD, that's SD as in sports drink, to make your first deposit risk-free. That means even if you lose money or just decide that eh, maybe the market's not for you, Symbol will refund your initial, initial deposit, no questions asked. Of course, this podcast is also brought to you by, folks, you know it, I know it, Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is a live audio-only sports talk platform. It's free. Download it on iOS and Android devices. You can join in in, in conversations with folks all across the world talking sports, pop culture, movies, TV, whatever you wish. You can find a chat room to hop in, join on, raise your hand if you want to speak, and by golly, you will get your platform to talk with others as well. Spotify Green Room, download again on the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, join a chat room, and come at some people with your spiciest takes. How about that, Alex? Love it. Love it. All right, guys. Well, we are rapidly winding down to not only the end of the Major League Baseball season, but the end of the Chatting Average podcast season. Next week's episode will be the final episode of the Chatting Average podcast for 2021. No, no, sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Don't don't do that to people. Uh, Next week's episode (laughs) will be the final one of 2021 for us, uh, barring Cam strong-arming me into doing a Christmas episode. Um, I mean, we kind of got to. (laughs) But regardless, next week we plan on blowing it out for you guys. We're uh, we're trying to call in all our special guests, so we're going to put together a, a really special episode to wrap up this season on since it's been such a special season. Regardless, that's something you can look forward to. Tell all your friends about this episode. It's a, it's a big thing for us to have had Tucker on, uh, despite the fact that we know him very well. He has, of course, become a World Series champion, and that's huge for us. So tell all your friends, download this episode. But that's going to do it for this week. For Cam Matthews, my name's Alex. We'll see y'all next week for another brand new episode of the Chatting Average Podcast. Wednesday, November November 17th is Alex's birthday. Bye! With that, we've reached the end of the show. If you want to connect with the show, you can contact us via text or voicemail at 678-242-9408 or on Twitter at Average Chatting. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash chatting average. We'll see you all next week on another brand new episode of the Chatting Average Podcast.